Hi there, I'm Sue Alves from the blog Stories of an Unschooling Family. Welcome to my podcast. This is episode 164. And today I have a story to share with you about praise and joy. But first, I would like to talk about discouragement. Yes, the opposite of joy. Before I start this podcast, though, I would like to hear how you got on with last week's episode. Were you able to hear me properly? You might know that I have been having some trouble with my audio equipment. And I thought that I had done quite well last week. As I said in the podcast, I said I hoped the file would be almost perfect. And then later when I listened, it wasn't quite perfect at all. Actually, I think that I was joined by Darth Vader. Did you notice all the noisy breathing noises? Well, I didn't notice them myself until I turned up the sound when I was editing the file. And I wondered, what should I do? Should I publish the episode anyway? Or should I throw it in the trash bin again? Well, I'm trying to get over being a perfectionist. So, of course, as you probably know, I uploaded that file and published it. But this week, what have I done differently? Well, I hope that I won't get so many big breathing noises. I'm sitting a little bit further back from my mic and I have turned down the gain on my mic a little bit. I don't know if that's going to help. But yes, this is a big learning experience, getting my podcasting set up just right which is rather frustrating because this is the sixth year that I've been podcasting and you would think by now that I'd got it all worked out. But yes, changing my equipment, my mic and my computer has given me a lot of problems. Anyway, if you listened to last week's episode, I would like to thank you for your patience. So on to this week's topic. First, I'm going to talk about discouragement. There's a lot I could say about encouragement and discouragement. I have a section in my book, Curious Unschoolers, all about how we can encourage our children and how discouraging them gets in the way of learning. But today, I want to talk more specifically about me. And maybe I'm going to regret doing this. Sometimes I think that it's very easy to have a certain image. I might sit behind this mic and project a perfect image, even though the sound isn't perfect. My life is perfect. I'm in control. I'm calm. I'm gentle. Nothing phases me at all. Wow, there's a temptation to project that image. But I'm not going to do that today. I'm going to be honest. I think that in general, I'm very honest. I've been honest about my parenting mistakes, about the times when I have questioned unschooling, times when I haven't even wanted to be a mother. 
And you'll find those stories in my books and also on my blog. Yes, I don't think I've held back when times have got difficult. And I've done this because it can be so hard to relate to people who look like they've got everything all worked out. Yes, just do what I'm doing and your life will be perfect. But today, I'm not talking about mothering problems, the mistakes I've made as I've been bringing up my children. No, I'm talking about feeling discouraged as a podcaster and a blogger. Maybe readers and listeners don't want to hear about the behind-the-scenes worries and concerns. Maybe you just want to hear a podcast every week with me sounding upbeat. I could share a story or two and some encouraging suggestions and ideas. I could tell you my latest thoughts about unschooling. Maybe you don't want to hear what else has been going through my mind. So maybe it's risky sitting here today and being honest about the way I'm feeling about blogging and podcasting. I have already admitted that I've reached crisis point in episode 162, Asking for Help. I shared a blog story about this topic and I said that I don't want to spend every single spare moment that I have blogging and podcasting and answering unschooling questions. I'm feeling overwhelmed. So I have already discussed this before, but I've been considering this question. Perhaps the answer to my problem isn't asking for more help. Perhaps I won't be happy until I have moved on from unschooling altogether. Sharing unschooling, I mean, because I will always be an unschooler, just like my children, regardless of how old we all get. But maybe my crisis is that I haven't recognized that it's time to let go. Time to do something completely different. We were talking about letting go last week. It can be frightening to let go. What will we do next? But as I said, until we let go of one stage, we will never receive the joys of the next one. We have to be brave. Yes, step over the cliff maybe. And so I'm wondering, is this where I am at the moment? On Monday, I had a wonderful day. I met my friend Jack, who's a blogger. She blogs at the Natural Medley blog. I met her for lunch. Actually, we spent most of the day together. Jack travelled up from her home. She drove for one and three quarter hours just so that she could see me. I am really appreciative of the time and effort that Jack put in just so that I could sit with her and talk with her for a few hours. Now, Jack knew I had a few things on my mind and she is a wonderful listener. We talked for hours and I did most of the talking. Yes, Jack listened and then made some suggestions. She reflected back what I was saying. She showed me some wonderful empathy. 
And one of the things that Jack said was that nobody would know that I was having such a huge crisis because I come over as calm and gentle and in control when I'm blogging and podcasting. Yes, as I said earlier, I do admit to difficult times, but I don't think that I've told anybody just how unhappy I am about the situation right at this moment. Why haven't I told anybody? Well, I think that the reason is because it is so easy to sound like we are complaining. I should be grateful for what I have. I've got a wonderful podcasting and blogging audience. I have made so many friends while I have been sharing unschooling. What have I got to complain about? Yes, it's a little bit risky sitting here today exposing my inner thoughts. But here goes. This is what I've been thinking. I've been wondering why I'm doing what I'm doing. Why am I podcasting and blogging and making the occasional video, whatever else I do, writing books? What am I doing it for? Well, that question is quite easy to answer. I want to spread the word about unschooling, pass on all that I've learned. I would love it if people discovered the joys of unschooling, especially people who are not happy where they are at the moment. I mean, I've been there and done that. I have been in situations where I have thought it was my duty to just keep on plowing through each day homeschooling, being a mother. It didn't really matter whether we were joyful or not. I just had to do it. That was my role in life. Well, I discovered it wasn't my role, that there is something better. And I really want to share that with people. But at the same time, I want to know that I am doing something successfully, that in sharing that message, I'm reaching people. And that sometimes it's hard to know. Yes, I do get some feedback. As I said, I have some wonderful friends and they stop by my blog and they write me encouraging words. But sometimes I do feel down. I put a lot of work and effort into what I'm doing and there aren't that many rewards. The other day, my husband Andy was on the internet checking our bank balances And I said to Andy, perhaps you can have a look at my book sales. Have I earned much? He scrolled through our account and then he said, no, you haven't earned much. And I thought, well, perhaps he could have broke that to me a little bit more gently. (laughs) But yes, book sales aren't up. Yes, I saw quite a few books in the first week or two after it had been released. There were a lot of people, especially on Instagram, who told me that they couldn't wait for my book to be published. They were eager to read it. And so, yes, I did sell a few books at the beginning. But, yes, sales have sort of trickled down. Nobody is buying my books, despite me trying to tell people about them. So I don't think my books could be called hugely successful. And I think this is rather a shame because I do believe in my books. I think it's very easy to criticize our own work. 
But if we don't believe in it, how can we expect other people to buy copies of our work and then read it? Yes, we have to believe in what we're doing. So I do believe in my books. I do think that they are a little bit different from other unschooling books. My books contain stories about real people. They're not just theory, not just thoughts and ideas, though I do share a lot of thoughts. I share the way that I came to believe in what I believe. I invite readers to ponder with me instead of telling everybody what to think. I explain how I got to where I am and invite questions, comments, thoughts. Not many people have come back and engaged me in conversations about my books, but I am willing to talk about them. I actually set up a book club so that we could do that. The book club is linked to my blog, Stories of an Unschooling Family, and there were a lot of sign-ups. Just after I created the book club, a lot of enthusiastic people wanted to be part of that book club and dive deeper into unschooling. But again, just like when I published my books, interest dropped off very quickly. And now hardly anybody goes over to the book club. Maybe the book club isn't needed. I'm beginning to think that. But the point is that I have tried to provide opportunities where people can talk to me about the ideas that I've presented in my books. I also think my books are well written. I've thought very carefully about how I wanted to present unschooling and I did what I do best. I wrote a lot of stories and I thought about them very carefully, the structure of them. So yes, I'm very happy that I have published my books, but I don't know if they are successful. I don't know if I am successful, but does that really matter? Now, sometimes people say to me, even if only one person is helped by what you do, it's all worth it. And also, we never quite know how our work affects other people. We don't know who we might have helped. And that's all very true. But is it enough? Well, years ago it might have been enough, but not today. I think that I have provided a lot of information and stories about unschooling. Anybody could stop by my blog and get answers to their questions without me making any more podcasts, without me writing any more blog posts. I don't think that I have to continue blogging and podcasting in order to help people. Going ahead, I want to feel successful for my own sake. I want to know that I'm spending my time in a useful way that I'm doing something that's making a difference. Now, apart from personal satisfaction, there's a very practical reason why I need to feel successful. And sadly, that reason has got everything to do with money. It's expensive to podcast and blog. 
Maybe not a lot of people know this, but I've got to buy equipment and software and I've got to spend money on hosting fees. There are a lot of expenses. I have spent a lot of money over the years. Yes, this is, I think, my ninth year of blogging. I'm losing count, but I've been spending money for a long time. And that money comes from our family money. My husband, Andy, earns it. And though he doesn't complain, he never says, hey, Sue, stop spending the family money. I want to stop spending it. Now, I could just say that blogging and podcasting is my hobby. Everybody in my family has hobbies. We spend family money on everybody's interests. But I don't want to do that anymore. I've got to the stage where I really want to cover my costs. Yes, blogging and podcasting have to earn their way. Because as I said, I've already provided enough information if I never write or speak another word about unschooling. I could just leave everything I've done online until the hosting fees run out. Until next time I have to pay some more money. And then maybe I would consider removing it all. But I could go ahead if I could afford it. Now, I think it was last year, you might remember that I tried using Patreon to support this podcast. I thought it was a good idea at the time, and a few very kind people actually became patrons. Now, you can imagine the smile on my face each time I got an email saying, you have a new patron. It was wonderful. But I didn't continue with Patreon. I got discouraged. I'm really grateful for the people who did sign up. They were very generous people. But on the whole, there weren't a lot of people who were willing to pledge even a dollar a month to listen to this podcast. And so I wondered, is my podcast not worth supporting? Do I not produce something worth listening to? Something that's worth a dollar a month? Or is it unrealistic to ask for money for something that can be listened to for free? Because even though I didn't get many patrons, I continued podcasting. Well, I didn't for a while. I had a little break to think about things, but eventually I came back. I kept producing episodes. And I didn't charge anybody for them. Why pay for something that you can access for free? Yes, reading blog posts is free. Asking questions that I might be able to answer is free. But buying one of my books is not free. Not that they cost very much. I only get about $5 a book. That's all the profit I get from my unschooling books. So I'm not making a fortune, but I was hoping that I'd get a few dollars to cover my expenses. Now I did a podcast blog post survey around the time that I stopped doing Patreon. And a couple of people said, we don't feel that we could support you on Patreon, but if you produce a book, we'll buy it because we want to support you in some way. 
and so I went ahead and I finished writing my book while I produced two books. I was hoping that anybody that I'd helped would consider buying a book, but it seems that not many people are doing that. Are my books just not helpful or can you access most of the information free from my blog? Some things that I've been thinking about. Now there was something else that happened a few months ago. I stopped writing my email newsletters because not many people were opening them. You can imagine how discouraging it is to spend hours writing an email newsletter and then sending it off to everybody subscribed on my list and then sometime later looking at the stats and realizing that very few people actually read my words. Yes, they didn't even open the email. Also, the people who did open it, very rarely did anybody hit reply as I invited them to do and said something about the newsletter. I hardly ever got any responses. I didn't know whether people were finding my email newsletters helpful or not. So one day, feeling really discouraged, I decided that I would close my newsletter. It just seemed to make sense doing that. So I sent out my final newsletter, and for once, I got some response. It might have had something to do with the title of the newsletter. I can't really remember what it was, but something about saying goodbye. It intrigued people. What was I saying goodbye from? Where was I going? Maybe that's why people opened the final newsletter. Now, a few people hit reply and sent me some wonderful words. They thanked me for the newsletters that I'd written. They'd apologized for not replying to my newsletters more often. They said they understood why I was finishing my newsletter and they wished me luck in the future. Those emails were wonderful to receive, but there were some that made me feel really bad. I felt like I shouldn't have complained. I was told that people get busy. I can't expect everybody to open my emails. Yes, it's unrealistic to expect responses. They also said they enjoyed getting my newsletters and they suggested that I ignore the negative stats and keep writing the newsletters for the few people who enjoyed them. Because does it really matter about numbers? As long as a few people enjoy what I'm producing, isn't that enough? Well, I thought about it, but decided that I wouldn't keep writing newsletters. I don't have time to do everything. And I thought it is sensible to concentrate on what is most popular. Concentrate on the things that are reaching more people. So, yes, that was my final email newsletter. Yes, some people made me feel bad about complaining about the lack of feedback. 
So many times we don't say what's on our minds. Maybe we don't want to upset anyone. And as I said in my introduction to this podcast, perhaps we have a reputation to uphold. We don't want to look like we're complaining. Hey, I'm a kind and generous person with infinite patience. I don't need to get anything out of what I'm doing. I'll keep blogging and podcasting and hanging around just in case anyone has a question that I can answer. Yes, perhaps that's all true. I don't know. I could come back next week and say, hey, forget everything I said last week. I made a mistake. I shouldn't have complained. I shouldn't have got all upset. I shouldn't have said I need to know whether I'm being successful or not. It doesn't really matter if nobody buys my books. I'm willing to do this regardless of whether anybody reads or listens to what I have to say. Next week I could be saying I shouldn't have sounded so negative. I really love doing this. I'm happy to continue. But right at this moment, I'm not sure that's how I'm going to be feeling. Do I really want to keep answering comments and messages and emails? Most times I like doing that. It's contact with other unschoolers or people who would like to unschool and isn't helping people what I want to do. Yes, I do want to help people. But I must admit, there are times when I don't want to answer another comment. And that happens when people are rude. Yes, people sometimes send me a message, or drop by my blog, and they state their request. I need some information about this or that. And the wording isn't very polite. It isn't very friendly. It's as if I'm just sitting here waiting to answer questions. I haven't got anything better to do. I don't have any other commitments. And when I have answered the comments, which I always do, nobody returns to thank me for the time and effort that I put into my answer. Now, thanks isn't what this is all about. I don't do things to get thanks. But certainly, thanks does oil the whole process. It does put a smile on my face and make me think, hey, somebody appreciates what I just did for them. I'm really happy to continue doing this. Instead, I think, did that person come back to my blog and actually read my comment that I spent a long time writing? Now, just recently, I received a negative comment on my blog. I don't often receive negative comments. I mean, it's been quite a few years, apart from the rude ones. I mean, the ones that people just don't take the time and effort to communicate what they want in a polite way. No, nobody has stopped by my blog and actually said something negative about what I'm doing. I've been really lucky that way. People are always very kind. But, I mean, a couple of weeks ago, I did receive a comment which made me sigh. And this is the comment. I'll read it out to you. It was left on my post, a gradual approach to unschooling. The commenter said, 
Computers and video games can become a form of addiction. You should do some research on the devastating effects of technology on the developing mind of a child before encouraging parents to not limit screen time. And didn't Holt himself discourage mindless screen time? As I've researched unschooling, I've been completely turned off because of the vast amount of unschoolers I've met that play video games all day. The problem is modern video games are created to be addicting and they literally never end. Now I assume that person landed on my blog and read just that one post because I have written a lot of other things about technology and screen time on my blog and also I have spoken about this topic a number of times in this podcast and I have never pushed people's concerns about unlimited screen time away. I have recognized that some people do have problems. I have admitted that I have problems myself, but my kids don't. So I don't think that it is fair to say that all kids will have problems with technology, that kids aren't able to self-regulate their usage, because I know that it is possible for kids to get the balance right. But yes, parents have concerns. So I'm not saying don't worry, just let your kids do what they want. No, it's a bit more complicated than that. So I don't think this commenter was fair. I think if she wanted to say something like that, she should have found out a little bit more about me before writing those words. But I didn't get upset. I did sigh. And I did say to myself, do I really want to defend myself? Perhaps I should just ignore the comment. Just let it go. But I've never done that. I've never ignored other people's comments. I've always thought that if somebody has landed on my blog and takes the time to write a comment, then they deserve an answer. They deserve something from me, whether their comment is positive or negative. So I left it for a few days and thought about what the person had said. And then I wrote this response. Yes, I agree. We have to be careful and protect our kids from anything that would adversely affect their health and happiness. That's why I encourage parents not to do anything they feel uncomfortable with just because other parents tell them that this is the right way to unschool. I quoted a bit from the blog post. We shouldn't do things that we're not happy with just because we've been told by others that this is the way to go if we want to unschool properly. And then I said, in this post, I repeat common things unschoolers say, but add that parents have to work things out for themselves. Many people choose to make lots of rules to protect their kids. However, I don't believe this is a very effective way of dealing with this situation, especially for older kids. Rules lead to battles. They can be broken. They don't get to the heart of the problem. That's why unschoolers have a different approach. And it's not about stepping back and letting our kids do whatever they like, regardless of whether it is good for them or not. 
It's about being closely connected with our kids so that we trust each other. We listen to one another and help our children find ways of doing what's important to them without them getting into situations where their health and happiness are threatened. My kids have never had problems with screens. They have full lives that include many offline activities, so I don't think addiction is inevitable. Some kids do regulate their usage well, but some don't. I can accept that because I have a problem with screens. I often spend too much time online and feel overwhelmed. Yes, screens can be a problem for some people. That's why I never dismiss parents when they express concerns about screen time. I've written and spoken about screens a number of times. Here's another post. And then I put a link to the post, Is it really okay to give unschooling kids unlimited access to screens and the internet? And then I went on to say, I think this is a very complicated issue which can't be explored in a few words. Unschooling is complicated too, hard to understand at a glance. I can see why, after reading my post, you suggested I research how technology affects developing brains. That would be the responsible thing to do if we were indeed neglecting our kids. Thank you for expressing your concerns about unlimited screen time. It's been good to chat with you. Yes, I think I repeated some of what I said earlier. I don't know if that person came back to my blog and read that comment. I don't know if she read the other post. I don't know if she wants to explore unschooling any further. But I didn't want to close off that avenue. I wanted to give her something else to think about. Maybe she will explore unschooling a bit more. Maybe she won't. It's really up to her, isn't it? So that was a negative comment and I answered it. But it didn't make me feel very good. I thought, do I really want to do this anymore? Do I really want to answer people's questions? Do I want to defend myself and unschooling? I know unschooling works. Do I really want to try and convince other people? Perhaps it is time to move on. Before I do move on, though, to another thought, I want to say that I do have some very kind blog commenters who do stop by on a regular basis to write me some kind and encouraging words. In particular, Deb, Vanessa, Jack, Aaron, Alison and Kim are very faithful commenters on my blog. There are other people as well, and it was probably not a good idea to actually name some names because I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings if their name isn't on that list. But just know that I appreciate every single kind comment that I do get. And also, this is probably a good time to thank a few people for their help that they offered me after my podcast, Asking for Help. I received encouraging blog comments from Courtney, Kim and Vanessa. Yes, after I had published, I think it was episode 162. And there were a couple of new book reviews written just after that podcast episode. They were written by Emily and Deb. 
And Lauren on Instagram, she wrote a very lovely Instagram post. She had a picture of my book and she said some very kind words and encouraged other people to go check my book out. So thank you, Lauren, Emily, Deb, Kim and Vanessa. Now, talking about Instagram, there are lots of fun schoolers on Instagram. And if you go back a couple of podcasts ago, I was talking about how I want to leave Instagram. I just get so overwhelmed by social media. Also, I want to have my own platform. I don't like the way that I'm creating content for Instagram and also that they don't do much for me. I haven't worked out how to play along with Instagram's algorithm. So I said, I'm going to leave Instagram. But sometimes I think, perhaps I'm just not being sensible. Perhaps I should give up my blog and my podcast and concentrate on social media. Give in and join everyone else there. Because there are hundreds, maybe thousands of unschoolers on Instagram. That's where everybody is. Why should I think that I can do this by myself on my blog? No, perhaps I ought to go back to Instagram. And so about a week ago, I did return. I found a photo and I posted it. I wrote something about social media, the noise of the internet, whether I should move on or not and do something else. And it was good. A lot of people stopped by on my Instagram post. They liked my photo. They wrote comments. Some people wrote three comments. We had a proper conversation and I felt good. Yes, I was involved in a proper unschooling conversation. We were talking about things that matter. And so the next day I thought, yes, I'm going to post another photo. Instagram is obviously the place where I need to be. So I posted my photo and sat back and nothing much happened. Not a lot of people liked it. And I wondered, did they not see it? Was it Instagram's fault? Was I lucky with the algorithm the first time? Was I unlucky the second time? Or was my post not worth liking? Now, considering that there are many unschoolers on Instagram who are very successful, they have loads and loads of followers and loads and loads of likes and loads and loads of comments, I think that it is quite possible that the problem doesn't lie with Instagram, it lies with me. Yes, perhaps I just don't have anything worth saying. Before I move on from Instagram, I want to say a big thank you to Sarah, who did stop by that second post, and she left me three comments. So hi, Sarah. Thank you for being a true friend to me. So I'm getting to the end of this discussion about success, discouragement, letting go. Letting go, is that what I meant to do? What am I going to do now? I don't really know. What I don't want to do is to say, hey, nobody appreciates me and what I'm doing, so I don't want to do this anymore. Talking and writing about unschooling is a stupid idea, so I'm going off to do something better. 
I don't want to sound like I'm having a sour grapes moment. No, that's not what this is all about. I just want to feel that I'm not wasting my time, my time and my money. Perhaps I've done enough. Perhaps what I've already done will help enough people and I should go in a new direction. Perhaps not a lot of people think that what I'm producing at the moment is worth sharing with other people. And if that's the case, it makes sense to pack up, doesn't it? And to do something else, to put my effort and my time in a new project. I don't really know what that would be. That's the scary thing, isn't it? That we can get to the stage where we consider letting go of something, but we don't know what else is ahead of us. Is it better just to hang on to what we're doing? Because even if we're not very successful, it's better than sitting back and doing nothing at all. At least I'm helping a few people to be totally unneeded, to have nothing to do. That is so frightening. But, as I said in last week's podcast, unless we let go, we don't know what's ahead of us. It won't arrive. We won't experience new joys. So I don't know what I'm going to do. But I guess with time, I'll work it out. But I do know what I want to do right this moment. And that is, I want to share a story with you. And it's from Radical Unschool Love. And it's called The Beginning and End of Praise. I wrote this story because I'd seen a lot of comments on Instagram about how we shouldn't praise our children. And after thinking about it for a long time, I decided that I disagreed with that viewpoint. So I sat down and put my thoughts on paper and molded them into a story for my book, Radical Unschool Love. And this is the story. The beginning and end of praise. Some people say that we shouldn't praise our kids. Maybe that's because kids might end up doing things only because they want to gain their parents' approval. And is there a risk a child might think she is better than everyone else if we praise her too often? We don't want our children becoming proud and obnoxious, do we? So many parents stay well away from praise. But I don't. I think that the right kind of praise is definitely okay. Maybe it's even essential. Praise is a natural part of our society. If I go to a concert and enjoy the performance, I applaud. If I get the chance to meet the performers or musicians, I thank them and tell them how much pleasure they gave me. If I enjoy a cup of coffee, I make a point of saying to the barista, That was good coffee. Thank you. I'm always looking for opportunities to tell people that I appreciate what they're doing, the effort they are making, how their talents, both the big kind and the less showy variety, are making a difference to my life and that of others. So why shouldn't I give the same feedback and thanks to my kids? Our children might not need our approval to motivate them to do what they love, 
but sometimes feedback in the form of praise is helpful. I know that when someone praises me, that praise encourages me to keep going when things get difficult. It tells me that I'm going in the right direction. I'm using my talents in the right way. Perhaps this is what I should be doing. Someone believes in me. Of course, praise has to be sincere and specific and take into account the fact that our talents were given to us. They are a gift that we didn't have to earn. It's what we do with our talents that's important. I can't say to my daughter Imogen, you are a fantastic singer. That's not enough. So I say, I enjoyed your performance immensely. Your top notes sent a shiver down my spine. You brought a lot of pleasure to the audience and me. Or I say, the mourners would have appreciated your singing. Your voice added beauty to the funeral. Maybe my words help my daughter see that all the hard work she puts into her music is worth it. This is what she is meant to do. By using her talents, Imogen is making a difference. But surely all my praise makes Imogen think she is better than other people. Imogen knows that even though her musical talents may be bigger than some people's, they don't make her better than everyone else. I've always tried to pass on the attitude that our talents give us a big responsibility. We should be thankful for them, and we should use them for the good of other people. For many years, Imogen has been the cantor and soloist at our parish church. She sits in the front row of the choir so that she has quick and easy access to the microphone at various times during the Mass. A couple of years ago, Fiona, a former cantor, visited our church. Everyone was very excited to see her. Come and sit with the choir. You can sing with us. I watched as all the singers in the front row shuffled up so that Fiona could sit with them. Would there be enough room for everyone in the pew? And then I saw Imogen give up her seat. She took her music and without a fuss, made her way to the last row of the choir. She was willing to take a back seat where no one could see her. I can sing just as well from the back as the front, Mum. Isn't the willingness to put others ahead of ourselves worth more than the most extraordinary talent? Often we look at praise from the perspective of our children. Is it good for them? Or maybe it's bad. But do we ever consider how praising affects us? When we praise properly, we are forced to look carefully. We can't praise without first appreciating our kids' talents and accepting who they are. Praise gives us a sense of awe. These are our kids. It leads to gratitude. Perhaps we need to praise our kids and other people, not only for their sakes, but for ours as well. We praise because we love, and the fruit of praise is joy, both for the receiver and the giver. So praise starts with love, and it ends with joy. What can be wrong with that? So, go praise your kids. In the right way, of course. 
And then, if you haven't already done so, perhaps you could hop over to Amazon and check out my books, Curious Unschoolers and Radical Unschool Love. And if you have bought them, thank you. I do appreciate that very much. And once you've checked out my books, you could visit my blog, see what's new. There is something new. I've got a new widget underneath the header on the front page of my blog. Yes, on the home page. It is a widget that shows my latest Unschool Gram posts. I'm continuing to transfer my old Instagram posts to my blog, and I'm putting them on pages called Unschool Gram. There are links to my Unschool Gram pages in my menu bar at the top of my homepage, and there are also links at the bottom of each page on my blog. But now also, you can see at a glance whether I have posted anything new. My latest Unschool Gram posts. Now, if you are interested in Christian unschooling, I've been writing about that as well. You might remember that in episode 160 of this podcast, I asked the question, shall we talk about Christian unschooling? And that's what I've been doing on my blog. So far, I have written about discipline and unconditional love, forgiveness and joy, desires, and also obedience and free will. I've got a few more ideas as well. So I invite you to visit my blog if you would like to stop by and say hello or comment on anything that I've said today, please do. So I think all I've got left to say is thank you for listening to this episode and until next time, don't forget to trust, respect and love unconditionally. Unconditionally.